Three, we're back. Yes, we're back. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing very well. So there's a number of topics that we're going to discuss today, but can you tell our audience who we'll be talking to about several topics too about? Yes. Uh, we will be talking to the one and only Steve Wynn of the Dream Syndicate Baseball Project and many, many, many other projects, solo and group. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot that's going on with the Dream Syndicate with Steve Wynn and a number of his projects. So we wanted to make sure to catch him in between gigs. (laughs) Which is what we're literally doing in between gigs. Absolutely. So Jeff, why don't we just get started? Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. So we meet again. Here we are. Yes. Sorry, right. Jeff, go ahead. You were saying you were in the middle of. Speech. I was gonna say so. We were just literally saying, Steve, that we we're catching you literally in between gigs. You're that busy these days, so we we're squeezing this in while we can. While we got you. Oh, happy to be here. I always like talking talking to you guys, whether it's whether it's in a Glasgow or Liverpool club or the backyard in Eagle Rock or here on the newfangled state of the art chatting apparatus. Oh, your shirt, Jeff. I like I, I, I like your shirt. I bought this in Liverpool when I went to see you. You did. That's great. Love it. Actually, my wife. Yeah, then I bought this in Glasgow when oh. I went to see you. So we both we have a connection. I the, the tra- <laughs> travel travel wardrobe. Absolutely. So I think you've given us a a great place to start, and that is you were just being interviewed about the documentary. How did we find ourselves here? Um, plus I'm sure a number of other things. And for our listeners, uh, Jeff and I were, were part of this screening in Los Angeles to, for the documentary that was a fundraiser also for the Wild Honey Foundation. And Emil Spolder was there as well, the documentarian and Dennis Duck, as well as you and your lovely mom, which yes. she was a huge hit. Yeah, she, she always is. And uh, there's going to be a screening tomorrow, May the 16th, in New York at the Bowery Ballroom with some live music um, as well. So um, I think I want to start with the documentary, Stephen. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, this has been a years-long project for Emil and all these interviews and this story. Are you satisfied with this documentary? now oh, that yeah. it's about to go out into the world via streaming in june yeah very much so it's, i think he did a great job it's funny when i you know if you would say to me oh you know what do you think of the new dream snicket album or this album that i made if i say yeah it's fantastic it sounds a little immodest but i can say that about the documentary because it's you know we're just um interview subjects and 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 film subjects but emil did all the you know all the um, aesthetic work on it. He he had the vision, what he wanted to tell with the story, who he wanted to talk to, how he wanted to look, and he did a fantastic job. And I know he put he put a lot of effort into it too. I mean, you know, I was kind of today. I was doing the interview on the radio. The um, um, the interviewer Joe asked um, if if we had seen it along the way, and I said no. But then I realized he had shown me little bits and pieces, and I know he was taking a lot of time. Emil was taking a lot of time to get the coloring right and the filters right and the look of it right and all the really details, the kind of details that we do when we make records, you know, oh, that vocal, if it just was a half a dB ladder, everything would fall into place. But with movies, I wouldn't know where to start with that kind of thing. And he really took the time to do it just the way he wanted to come across. So yeah, I think it's great. And flattering to have, you know, someone telling that story, you know, the, the of most of my life. I mean, it's like, you know, watching it, watching it with you guys in Eagle Rock, watching it there. It's weird sitting next to De- sitting next to Dennis while I'm you know watching it. That it's, you know, it's it covers 41 years and I'm 63, so that's you know that's most of the time I've been alive is up there on the screen. That's weird. 
It's yeah. like a, a living autobiography that's still being added to. There are still chapters being written. That's one of the things that was really, I think, very, I, I don't want to say hopeful because that's not it. It was, it was ended on this real plus note where there's still more story to tell. And I think for the fans, this is a really good film to kind of give us the history, but also leave us wanting way, way more. Sorry, Jeff. I hope so. Yeah. I hope that's the case. I mean, if I feel like, you know, I mean, it's being, you know, a big music fan, historian, and, you know, the guy who you know, collects and follows music like, you know, like, like we all do, I know that when a band's been around that long or has some kind of touchstone record or song when they started out, you never escape that. That's that's going to always be there. It's ridiculous to think it won't be. But I do at the same time feel like we've done a pretty good job of putting together a body of work in the last five or six years that would stand up on its own. And it's nice because when we play shows like the ones you've seen, you know, a lot of bands have been around for a long time when they, you know, the way to send people to the concession stand is to say, here's a song from our new album. Boom, people are gone. And I feel like people come to our shows want to hear the new songs, like hearing them. And if we did, as we were, when we toured in 2019, actually, for these times, our set was, I think, beginning most nights with eight or nine new songs. And then we would play 80 songs at the end. And I never felt like people weren't, weren't enjoying it. Because if, if I felt like people were bumming out, I probably would have changed it. But it was like, I can mm. tell people like that. And that feels great. Yeah, I will just say from my standpoint with what you're saying, Steve, when you reformed the band and brought Jason into the band and I saw you guys live, I wanted to hear all the old stuff. But now I want to hear I want to hear all just the new stuff when I see you guys. And you guys did a really, really good job on the set lists in the UK um, and I've, we've talked to multiple people about those set lists and there was just a beautiful set list that was, uh, stuff from the, the entire band's catalog and everything just worked great together. And I'm glad to see that you're doing that, but the new stuff is just as strong, if not stronger than some of the early stuff, in my opinion. So, um, as Soraya mentioned, the band is still writing this history. Thank God. <laughs> I think so. And and th thanks for that. You know, and, and in fact, the, the the shows, I mean, you've seen us play, well, you saw us play our last show before the pandemic, that one at the, at the Echo. But um, the shows in England were probably even a little more nostalgic tinged because Vicky was playing with us. And, um, and she is more, well, she began more familiar with the old stuff. So it was easier to put those in there, but she really enjoyed playing the new stuff. And also the whole concept of that tour being us with Vicky, us with Matt and Steve, and uh, Matt and Steve, and of uh, the the box set coming up, all those kinds of things. We did lean a little more towards old stuff, but even then, I felt like, oh, I just want to play more new stuff every night. Nice. And I think, and I'm excited to see what we do next. I think, you know, there's, there's, I like the way the band is right now. I like the pot, the things we can do. I think, you know, when we broke up in the '80s after four albums, kind of like, well, I don't know where we go from here. I'm not sure even what where life goes from here. At this point, look, we're, we're older, we've got a longer history, we've had two different and connecting histories, and the fact that we can um, go from here anywhere is really nice. You know, if we would have just made carbon copies of Days of Wine and Roses for the last five years, it would be like, well, here's another one. You guys <laughs> liked it so much, here's another one. I'll, we'll keep hammering them out. I think we could be um, any kind of band at this point. We could turn around and do a complete thrashy garage record, and that would be the dream snicket. We could do a you know, a trippy free jazz kind of record, that'd be the dream syndicate. We can make it any kind of thing. So that's a lot of freedom that I really appreciate in a band where we all kind of feel the same way and we like playing together still. Nice. And there's a good chemistry with this band. There sure. is. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, um, musically and so, and we're friends too. That's oh, where we, we like hanging out together, as you yeah. probably saw. Yeah, that's great to hear because we learned from the documentary that that was has not always been the case with the band and just went under. So yeah, but yeah, so it's just that's just the truth. So I know Soraya's got a flow for uh, where she wants us to go. But one quick question before we get back to Soraya, um, you mentioned the tour and having Vicky on. How was it having an an alternate guitar player with Vicky sitting in um, just for this tour? How did you like that? I know you guys are old friends. Um, how did you enjoy her sitting in? Right. I enjoyed it a lot. It was fantastic, you know, um, and 
you know, I mean, Vicky's one of my oldest friends at this point. We've, you know, we obviously go back to 82. We've hung out on the scene together. We were roommates for a while and and have stayed friends over the years through various connections with Continental Drifters and everything. But we'd never done this kind of a thing together. I think we've, you know, maybe been on the same stage for various reasons at various times, but doing a whole tour together was, that was new. And I think we were both excited about it. And I really tried to imagine ahead of time what that would be like in choosing the songs and thinking about what we're going to do. And you might have noticed um, we chose a lot of our more harmony driven songs than we normally would. We played Slide Away and I Have Faith and things like that that we hadn't played in a while because, oh, we got a singer like Vicky on stage with you. You got to yeah. make the you make use of that my god so that was that was fun but what i didn't quite see in a way was how often during the tour i felt like it was 1982 something about even though we've all including vicky done a lot since then grown learned new things there was something about the way we were playing together on that tour that felt like something that would have been happening at cathay de grand in 82 it was a very kind of raw looseness um i don't know this you know, it's cool. I don't want to say naive because none of us are, but this kind of it's brought back to feeling like a new band, like a, a, new, a young band all over again. Wow. And that's hard to fabricate, but it just felt that way. Maybe because <laughs> picking up where we left off back then, I don't know. But it, 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 it had a, it, we connected in a way like even when we played um, John Coltrane's Stereo Blues. And I know, Jeff, you and I had a talk after the show, and I can remember this because you said, Oh, that was great. Are you going to, you know, do that one? Again, I went, no, nah, I think that might be the only time we do it. Because <laughs> on stage that night, I felt like, I don't know where that was going. And I've gotten so used to John Coltrane's Stereo Blues being this kind of thing where Jason and I do our, you know, our our uh, telepathy thing, the two of us do, and trade off. And when I played it with Vicky that night, we hadn't done to that point. A lot of the time during the version, I kept thinking, I don't know where this is going. I'm not sure what's going on here. Are we doing anything? And when I heard, I heard it back recently since the tour, the, that that version, the Glasgow version, and I loved it. And what I loved about it was it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't, there was no purpose. There was no structure. And that's where the song began. That's how the song began when we first played it as open hour back um, in 82. It's just, well, we're just going to groove and make a bunch of noise until we don't want to do it anymore. And that's how it, over time it's become this thing where this happens, then that happens, then this event happens, and keep the fireworks coming, folks. There were no fireworks. It just was this amorphous, formless groove, and that was cool. Yeah. But being on stage doing that, you can be, you know, it can make it can be nerve wracking because you think like, oh man, gotta gotta entertain the people. What are we doing? And it was a good reminder that sometimes you don't have to entertain the people. Just be yourselves on stage doing your thing. Yeah, if you're enjoying yourself, certainly we will be too. And thank you for mentioning Open Hour. I think that's a good transition because I think Soraya wanted to go here. Well, yeah. I wanted to add one last thing just uh, just to kind of piggyback on your comment, Steve. So after the, I think it was Jeff, after the second show in Glasgow, we sat down and we talked and we said, uh, this this iteration of the band, you know, Jason wasn't there, but Vicky was. And there was something very electric with not only with John Coltrane Blues, but towards the end of the show, I don't know, you said something to the crowd. You said, one of the things about the Dream Syndicate is we like to jam. And then that, <laughs> I mean, you just took us on a completely different ride and then started getting faster and punkier. And I said, man, Steve Wynn is good. He's going to thrash this place. And we were we were just saying, we're ready. We're ready. Whatever you want to feed us, we are so ready. <laughs> it was and a pretty punky was, night that night. And then, you know, that also kind of harkens back to a lot of the story in the documentary, which is there wasn't, I mean, it, it seemed that you guys were ready to go and drift in directions and explore it. And I think... Um, Stephen McCarthy says that too. Well, we just got together and we just started playing. And then it just kind of drifted and it became this thing yeah. with natural divisions and boom, we get another yeah. album. So mm. it, I think for Jeff and I, and you know, definitely a lot of the fans that we were chatting with in Glasgow, people were just like, what else are they going to do? And I'm here for it. Keep playing. I, I won't go home. And so mm -hmm. I just like that part of, Currently, the band story is 
not exactly sure there's a map, but we're not going to stop playing until we're ready to stop. It's best when there's no map. You know, it's funny. I think when we went in to make these times, for example, we all kind of had the idea of letting it be more um, loose and unstructured and organic, which is a hard thing to force if it's not there. And I can, and I went to that session with kind of more skeletal song ideas. A couple were largely written. A couple were more just a riff, a chord progression, a, a loosing, no lyrics. I want to see where things went. And I think that almost put a pressure on the band and me to kind of like, well, look at us now. We're going to, we're going to be this cool improvisational band. And it's risky to be that kind of band. It's fun, but it's also risky because when it's not happening, as any fan of a jam band, whether it's, you know, Grateful Dead or whatever, will say, you're going to get off nights. You know, it's, you can always, you can always master your perfect set with the perfect moments and say, we're going to hit our marks every night. And that's, great that's a great thing to do and i think over time in a way we've become that kind of a band but i always remember when you at least for the dream syndicate when we jam and take a chance like that nine times out of ten more than nine times out of ten it ends up being pretty cool even when nothing happens <laughs> maybe especially when nothing happens because those are the times where it's very human you know it, it'd be like saying you know well in our conversation today in one hour, I'm going to come up with nothing but zinger quotes and just, you know, and not even listen to what you guys have to say, just, just bang them out. That's not a conversation. That's not, that's not human. That's not, that's not a connection. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes on stage, we all want to have zinger quotes when eh, sometimes just going, Hmm, uh-huh. Ah, uh, for a little while is fine. Nice. I love that. So let's, let's kind of add to this conversation then. So now what's coming up, I mean, Steve, I, Jeff and I wonder sometimes, when do you sleep? Because we, <laughs> you're constantly, you've been giving us stuff oh, sorry. Whoop, over and over and over. But um, now we have this new CD box set coming up and I have to read it because I haven't memorized it. So it's the 40th anniversary edition of uh, the Days of Wine and Roses, but it's the Days of Wine and Roses. History kind of pales when it and you are aligned. And mm. I mean, there is a lot. Uh, the First of all, we have to also say great thank you to Pat Thomas mm -hmm. for his Big assistance time. on this. And the booklet is pretty extensive. And then you've given us more music. I think, and it's four discs. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of what you know and a whole lot of what you don't um there's live oh, that's good. The, you know i, I mean it, it, there's so much here and i think anyone would wonder okay so one where do these recordings live where have they lived mm. um to be able to be part of this and two you, you know as a fan do i really need it i mean jeff and i are completists and we say yes but <laughs> you know i think this is this was such an important album. How was it deciding what needed to be a part of this box set? Well, I've been a little sheepish when people say, "Oh my God, another another reissue of Days of Wine and Roses." You know, I've seen a lot of people say things like, "Well, I bought everyone, I'll buy this one," but you're killing me. And it's like, well, I can sympathize with that as one who's got you know too many copies of the same record on my shelf in the other room. <laughs> um, you know, certain things. But this is really not a Days of Wine and Roses reissue. It's really more of, that's a small part of the Four City story, which to my way, you know, I mean, it, it was Pat's vision for sure, that what he put together. And to my way of thinking, it just is a is like a time capsule of who we were back then, what what you know, what the band was all about. And, and I can hear going from that, you know, the, you've got songs from the first rehearsal we did with Dennis at the end of 81, all the way through to a live set at the end of 82 and you can hear the band changing and those live recordings to answer your question most of the recordings back in those days were either done by dennis or dennis making sure someone at the show recorded it he was very big into documenting mm -hmm. uh, more than any of us were so i can't remember specifically the story of these i think one's in Reseda, one's in tucson one in LA, maybe another one. I'm, I'm spacing right now, but generally Dennis would be the the ringleader, making sure things got recorded. I'm glad he did, because um, that's it's all cool stuff. You know, 
the the obviously the album's been up before the rehearsal even has been up before and some of those kpfk recordings we did right before making right. the album been out before but the two discs of live stuff that haven't been heard before unless if you've been passing around cassettes over the years that's kind of the special thing for me and that's really a you know i like all eight records we've made um also varying degrees as you'll hear as you hear in the movie when i kind of rag on out of the gray a little bit um <laughs> But I, I, but I, I like everything we've done. But I realize at the same time, the Dream Syndicate is and has always been a live band. It's always been where we do our thing best of all, even of no flies on our records. But I think we're 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 a live band. We 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 take chances and unfold in different ways every night. And so it's cool to hear the live material on the box set because that's us. When I hear it, I kind of smile because like, yeah, that's who we were back then. And you know, it was it was exciting. Yeah, so Steve, um, a question. Um, so you mentioned cassettes. So those were the source for some of these, at least like for the rehearsals and the live recordings. Um, this sounds really fantastic. I was listening to it through my larger system today um, rather than the car or the, the computer. And it sounds really good. So I know Jim Hill was involved um, in this project somewhat. How, how did you make these presumably cassette sources for at least the live and rehearsals sound so great. It really sounds well, fantastic. It sounds great. I mean, Jim's great at what he does and he always has been, you know, he um, been working with us for a long time, of course, a rain parade even more. Um, and, and, but I have to say, even though he's not the man with the hands on the board, I have to give Pat a lot of credit because he just has this, you know, I wasn't there for any of this stuff. In fact, with this box set and with the previous one, the out of the gray one, Pat, I think, made a point of having me not be involved. Oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he did to some extent, and it was, it was a mutual agreement. It's like you know, he wanted to do it his way, and I have enough faith in Pat to say, "Yeah, do do your thing." I'm going to love it. And in both cases, not only what he chose to put out, and the and the the artwork, and the the liner notes, and all that were great, but also it just sounds fantastic, yeah. both of them. And he, yeah. like for example, out the out of the gray, the um 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 what can I say? No regrets box that I often felt, felt that, that, um, that record was poorly mixed and mastered and the band, I think my, the band would agree with me. Somehow he un-80s'd it. He, he managed it. Whatever he did in there, he took the eighties off of it and it just shined it up. I, I didn't know there was a filter like that in the studio, but he found it and it was great. And all of a sudden that record came alive for me and this record, which I already was happy with and the live stuff, which, hadn't been mastered before i don't know it just sounds fantastic it really sounds very present and live and real which is great and some of the tones on it you mentioned um open hour um and i love that version that's on here it's the last song on disc two and the the guitar tones on that song and a lot of these songs just they just really pop and they sound fantastic but open hour on here for me that's worth the, the price of this alone i mean there's there's a lot of good stuff but that that version that's on here is fantastic. Yeah, that 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 was the template for. In fact, I that's the version I sent to Vicky ahead of the tour, saying, "Well, if we play this song, let's make it like this." Said, okay, so that was, that was kind of the idea. Um, yeah, I mean, the sound the her band is using whatever gear we had around. We had some good sounds, and I think the the only thing that makes me sad about this box set and and um, when I hear it is that I hear the guitar sound I had back then on that record and on those live shows of my at the time very cheap broken little jazz master my my 60 dollar jazz master is probably worth five thousand dollars now that i don't have anymore yeah. and my and my old twin reverb which i couldn't get rid of fast enough and i think god i love that sound and i was just you know the second we got signed to a m it's like great i'm getting myself a real guitar now and i'm gonna you know get a a, a, a different amp and all this kind of stuff and there was a you know, there's a lot of reasons why things are the way they are and why people play together and why things sound a certain way, but I kind of shouldn't have been such a hurry to change away from jazz masters at the time. But having said that, as you know, or I think that, but jazz masters, as much as they become the hip, trendy guitar, were really tough to maintain. And I spent so much time working on the bridge for that guitar and putting matchsticks underneath the bridge so it wouldn't fall apart and fall out of tune. And, you know, and it was, I just, couldn't handle anymore, but I do. I do listen back to think. Oh yeah, we had a pretty cool sound. Yeah. There was a, you know, including Kendra playing this little three quarter um, scale 
Music Master Bass, which, you know, no one else has sounded like that because it was, again, the limitation of sound, not being a, you know, you know, generally over time, it's natural, but everybody wants to be better, get a better sound, get a bigger sound, get a more full sound, get them on record and live. And sometimes that just crowds everything up so much that you don't have that innocence anymore. And so when I hear these recordings, that innocence comes back, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. For those who don't good lesson, know, good lesson. Yeah. For those who don't know on the Jazz Master, there's a little floating bridge where normally that's bolted down on guitars. This one just kind of sits on there and the strings and the pressure of the strings hold it down. So you never know what can happen with those. So <laughs> thank, uh, thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you better. And also for the and there's been since then in the beautiful new world, these new ma jazz master bridges. Uh, this, this is talking tech with Steve Wynn, right? Um, <laughs> but these new jazz master bridges are made um, um, by a guy in Minneapolis. It's called the Mastery Bridge. So finally, you can have a jazz master and stay in tune. So, <laughs> nice. you know, had I had that back then, ooh. Nice. All and, right. Uh, Jeff and I got this in, uh, in Glasgow, but uh, when is the official release date for this from Fire Records? I know it's next month. I know it's June. I can't remember the exact date, but sometime around mid-June. Yeah, we're thinking June 23rd. Is yeah, that was the uh, okay. last date I saw. Okay, okay. And then um, Fire, as you mentioned, also put out the previous box set for Out of the Gray. And these are fantastic presentations, in my opinion. These, the little book mm. with the box set. Um, are you happy with how they look um, as this box set presentation? Yeah, very happy. I mean, they did a great job. And Fire's been a really good label for us. They 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 do a nice job of archiving the past and supporting the present, so that they've they've been great. And I hope we do more. I mean, there's there are two other records yet to be excavated. So I hope we can um I hope we can um get those out there as well. Medicine Show would be the next one. And Pat and I are already talking about that. And I hope it happens. But the, it'd be nice to have it'd be nice to have all four albums reissued this way. That was going to be my follow-up question, so I'm glad that that's at least a possibility. I hope so. I think we probably talked about before, but Medicine Show is a tough one because um, the label we were on, A&M, doesn't want to let it go, even though they they legally are supposed to. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, you know, I, there's there's a lot going on, and it's not, you know, it's it, it's all it's 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 online. You know, there's been a a class action lawsuit against the label, and um, there was a setback in that. And the, boy, the last. I hate talking about lawsuits and lawyers and stuff like that, but just in short, hopefully we'll find a way to get that record back and to do a similar treatment with that one. We'll I see. Hope so. I hope so. So right, before, right here, Congressman. <laughs> <laughs> before we move on to other projects that you're yeah. working on, Jeff and I want to know any new music from Dream Fr Syndicate? Can well, we expect I another album anytime soon? I think expecting another album is sufficient for now i don't know when that'll be um you know we it's it's kind of crazy when i think we we did four albums in five years starting with um with how did i find myself here and toured a lot and that that's including the pandemic which was like a, a 18 month shutdown for everyone so we kind of went at it full force i think we've all agreed to take a little time off um everybody has things they're working on jason's work doing skull practitioners and emetrica and um and Mark is, I think, I think Continental Drifters are going to be starting to do more shows, I hope. So I think we kind of right now, by no means saying it's over or even we're in hibernation, but I think we decided the rest of this year, we're going to kind of just regroup and do our other stuff. And, and I have, of course, the baseball project ahead too. So it's a good time to put things on hold. Having said that, I'm already excited to what we do next, because I think I already can imagine in my head what that might be. So it won't be, it won't be too long. Excellent. So let's talk Baseball Project. Single was released last week. Yeah. Uh, that I, yes, last week is when I saw it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A week, yeah, last week. And um, album upcoming as well. Yep, June thirtieth. It's called Grand Salami Time, and it's our fourth long-awaited fourth album. It took a while to get to this one, and produced by Mitch Easter, and we recorded last May, and I'm. We all love it. It's really it's it's a fun record, it, and and the nice thing about the record, this means we'll be touring a lot in August and September, and hopefully beyond. So fifteen new songs. Yep. Is that correct? That's What's that? 
15 new songs. Oh, yeah, 15 um, new songs, yeah. Um, released by Omnivore. So Yip Rock released the first three Facebook mm-hmm. Project records, and on this fourth one, you're switching to Omnivore. Can you talk about that switch of labels? Um, Not much to say. I mean, a lot of years went by since the last record, and I think we just... Started fresh this time. No, no, no knock on Yeprock. We've had a, we like them very much, and they're still doing records by Scott's other projects and a lot of my material as well. Just you know, we kind of went into this record like it was starting over because it had been so long, and Omnivore seemed interested, and we said, okay, that'll do. And of course, Omnivore, they're no strangers to me because I've done several projects, solo things, and the Dream Syndicate reissues with them. So they're they're friends, they're family. And just, you know, seem to make sense. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was wondering about that because we know that Yep Rock has um, been helping out with some of the Paisley Underground projects. So oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. So I was curious about that. So thank you for that. Being yeah, and they, they did the 3 by 4 collection, which was wonderful. So, so, yeah, it's funny. If it sounds like I'm being diplomatic, I guess I kind of am, but there's not much to say about it. It was just, I don't know, we, we've decided to look for a new label and, the omnivore was their enthusiasm won us over. So I think it's that simple. But it's no kind of no knock on Yeprock at all. Really good label, good people. So what do you and they still have and they still have most of our catalog. So you know yeah. <laughs> thoughts about this record versus the other three. Yeah, um we know on the third album we made back that put out back in 2014, that was the first album where Mike was Mike Mills was playing bass. And um, you know Peter Bucket played bass on the first two records, and on the third album, Mike, who'd been playing live with us a lot, started playing bass, and Peter switched to guitar, which is, you know, Peter Buck on guitar is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so that that was kind of a that record was a very different record. The third one was, felt more like just a rock band doing the thing in the studio. Not not the first two records didn't rock by any means, but it felt like okay, this is just a good you know, exciting rock band. And I think the new record takes continues that approach where we just went in you know the songs were all about baseball of course <laughs> obviously but it wasn't i think at this point we're just a band that you know this sings cool songs with hooks and harmonies and and riffs and and you know different different styles and dimensions that the lyrics happen to be about this one subject and even then the lyrics especially this time around on the new record to my way of thinking, they're not as insider baseball. In fact, um, a, a lot of people, like especially our label and some other um, people working with the label, have said, well, can you let us know which songs are about which teams or players? And I said, well, th- you know, actually, this time around, the songs are more about baseball ideas, more abstract. Um, like the first single, Journeyman, um, which I wrote with Peter, is barely even mentions baseball i think there's like slight allusions but it's really more about somebody who just does something for a very long time and travels from town to town and every night is doing a job and trying to you know to do the job well and then on to the next one which is what we all do it's what it's what musicians do so it kind of was it could be as much about all the bands we've been in as it can be about baseball players and I think that's kind of the way the new album is. Now, some songs are completely baseball geekery in full effect, but there's a lot more going on this time. There's a song, a beautiful song Scott wrote called 64 and 64 about a baseball player named Jim Bowden, who's mostly known for writing the book Ball Four, one of the best sports books ever written. But Scott's writing about his dementia that he had at the end of his life and how it warped his perception of what had happened to him in his career and life beyond. Beautiful song that's just, you know, I get welled up thinking about it. So I think that's kind of the way the record is in a way, just about these life things in general that just happen to be filtered through a baseball angle. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And then we know, just to kind of close this part of the circle, um, we know that Baseball Project is going to be touring August. Um, you're leaving. <laughs> you're leaving in a couple of days. Uh, just saw the ad for your show in Berlin on May 21st. Yeah. So um is it this fair Sunday. To say, is it fair to say yeah yeah i got my suit i got i got my suitcase over here so i'm ready to go <laughs> so solo dates for your shows may june july and then august back in the states 
Yes. Yeah, the tour, um, I'm not sure when this is airing, but um, the tour um, Germany and Belgium is the end of May, early June. And then back home for about six weeks, which is I haven't done in a while. It'd be, be, that'd be fun. But the, then starting in August, it's baseball project for a while, probably for the bulk of August and September, which right. is going to be. Actually, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, we've been, we were all talking about it. It's the longest tour any of us have done. Wow. Any, any of the five of us have done in a long time. That's just really an old school kind of get out there and get in the van, stay in the van. And I think it's kind of amusing to all of us. And I think that we'd be more nervous about it, the fact we aren't all such good friends and we're looking forward just to hanging out together and you know, just just happening to play shows in the middle of it all. But so it's a way we can hang out because everyone's so busy. And we haven't seen any L.A. area dates yet for a baseball project. Could that no. possibly be on the horizon? Yes, I, I almost certainly in September. I think I thought we were going to have them confirmed last week, but I'm hoping this week. But unless I'm mistaken, I think we'll have mid September a California. Oh, actually, a West Coast swing, West Coast swing. Nice. So I've had and, to I've had to buy my I've had to buy my tongue when people say, "What about the West Coast?" It's like it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> I can get I can guess where it might be. I think I know where it's going to be, but I don't want to say too much. Okay, no, don't. The, mm. Once it's you know pen to pen to paper, then. But mm. we've seen Miss what Midwest dates hmm. and uh some others so we were just curious no I, it'll it'll probably happen and come out i realize i think as i think i said too much i'm thinking oh no i've said too much but i think i think my bandmates wrote that lyric <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but i mean june is may and june and then throughout you know into the into september you've got a lot going on documentary coming out the documentary will be streaming in june the CD box that comes out June 23rd, plus your own solo dates and baseball project, baseball project album. I mean, okay, I know. And I'll be, and I'll be, and I'll be touring in October on touring Spain, Scandinavia too. So that's on the tail of that solo tour. There you go. It's what, so, it's what I, I'm doing what I like. You know, it's funny. A lot of people say things like, you know, your hardest working man in show business is, is a joke. And it, I mean, it's look, you know, and you know, you, you just travel with us. It's, it's, there's, it's not, there are times not easy. Of course, you're getting less sleep than you maybe would get normally. Maybe you're eating on the run, but it's what we love doing. It's getting up there and playing music every night. And every night's a clean slate. And every night you're on stage is a chance to connect with yourself, your bandmates and the audience in a new way you never did before. You know, it's like the, even when you're, you know, I always try to remember, even if I'm well into a tour and getting a little fried, thinking, no, this show is like a completely unique show. No, it's never happened. It's a show that has the potential to have something happen in a way that never has happened before. And that's exciting. That's a, that's a really, there's a reason I think why touring becomes addictive. People say, why does Bob Dylan still do it? He's got all the money in the world. He's 82. Why? And I can't speak for Bob Dylan, who can, but I think that all the people keep going, be it the Stones, be it, you know, just look at any list of Springsteen, whatever. Besides, it's your job. Besides, you know, you're maybe, in their cases, you got people on the payroll. Besides all that, I think there's something very addictive about having a fresh purpose every day and fresh, limitless potential to, to do what you love in a new and exciting way every time you go out there. It's, 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 it's hard not to do it. Having said that, after October, as of now, I'm planning to take a little time off and work on a solo record because I haven't done a solo record in over 10 years. It's like, oh my God, I'd like to do that next. So that's probably the next thing I'll do. New solo record. So are the songs already written for this or you anticipate writing? I have some things just stockpiled, but I'd rather, you know, I might use a few of those, but I'd rather just start Almost like, you know, I've done a few records um, over the years, like um, Crossing Dragon Bridge, which one of my last solo records, and um, Melting in the Dark, the record I did with Come, where I pretty much went into a project and wrote for that project. And I'd like to do something like that again. Having said that, I'm not sure what the project is going to be or who I'm going to work with. And I have some different ideas, several things. And the hardest thing is narrowing down one. But I like the idea of choosing who I'm going to work with, where I'm going to do it, and then letting the songs follow. Um, I, I find these days I write to assignment really well, whether it's the dream syndicate, that, well, 
the baseball project is nothing but writing to assignment. And um, and I think the solo record will be the same way. Nice. So Sorry. one last question from me, and I don't think you have an answer for this. So I think I'm going to start. <laughs> Any idea right. how many songs you've written, Steve? I don't know the exact number, but I'm kind of aware only because um, I did that lyric book and that kind of gave me the chance to go back. I've written and recorded about 400. Wow. But, but I've, of course, written many more than that. If I had to guess a thousand, I don't know. Wow. You know, it's in that, I think in the documentary, if I'm not mistaken, at one point I talked about Suspects, the um, the band I had with Kendra wow. and, and and Russ and, and Gavin. And um, I don't know, I think I wrote for that band 50, 60 songs. And those are just songs I never played again. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, that's a whole bunch of songs just written and discarded in the waste bin. There's a lot of things like that when I was younger. And Eve, I'd say these days, not 100%, but I generally, are, because I'm writing songs for a project, sure, some things don't make the record, but most things get recorded. You know, I'm not, you know, you know th that was songwriter trade school back then, just learning how to do it. Now it's kind of, you know, but, you know, it's funny. When the when the pandemic started, I thought, well, you know, it'd be kind of cool just to, since, since we're never, ever going to go out again, this is the way the world's going to be from now and forever and ever, like we thought for a second. The just try to write and record a song every single day until this ends. Didn't do that, but that would be fun to try sometime. And that that's, you know, if I was to take my own advice, I, I always would tell writers, songwriters especially, just write a lot. If you write 30 songs in a month and 27 are lousy, you have three great songs. Easy to say. I don't always follow that, but it'd be actually be fun going to this new year. I think I'm going to go for quantity and hopefully quality as well. Nice. Nice. Ooh. So Jeff, I think we've only got one last thing that we need to tell Steve Wynn, and that is Jeff and I are 100% on board with something you said in Glasgow at the very end of the show. You said, take a look. This, we could call ourselves the Paisley All-Stars. Jeff and I are 100% behind the concept and the execution of that idea. But but no, just, just thank just you for you, Just you know I'm, I'm I am a lurker. I do I do catch your shows and I know you you've talked about that that idea and and I was happy to hear it had legs beyond that tossed off comment, but I do think it's a good idea. I think it'll be really fun. Yes. We yeah. we we like it, but you know. Yeah. You know, we're we're biased. Yeah. But I, really I, I, I you know, but I'm dead serious. I think I think it'd be really great, and I think that it's, uh, who knows. Um, I don't want to be the one to always, you know, carry the mantle, but I think I, I know a lot of people who would be happy to do it. So let's we'll see. You never know. You just never know. But we want to thank you. You you you, you 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 guys should you you guys should, you should pick out the actual tours. It should be it should be your task each time to choose the people on the tour and where it's going to go. That that'd be that'd be great. Like we'll an official sponsor that. of the tour. We'll accept that challenge. Sorry. Okay, okay. We don't have a problem. We don't have a problem. Yeah. And we can even okay. make the set list. We don't care. We're, out. We're in. Great. Sponsored but, um, by. <laughs> we want to thank you so much for your time, for walking us through not just the documentary, the box set, once again, out June the 23rd. Baseball Project, coming soon too, and coming to a town near you, and as well your solo tours. So if you're in Europe, Spain, Scandinavia, uh, Germany, Wait, I'm missing Belgium. 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 Beautiful Belgium. Love Belgium. Please go take advantage of these yes. moments. And then, you know, uh, when you have a free moment to yourself, which I don't know when that is, solo album sometime in the future. We're just really yeah. grateful for your time and yes. for everything that you offer to us. And as a fan, I'm excited and ready for the next the next bit. Yeah. Thank you. Th thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been nice seeing, nice seeing you both in all kinds of different places, including here right now. So uh, <laughs> yes. thanks, thanks as always for spreading the gospel of the stuff we music we make. Thank you. It's yeah. appreciated. It's easy yeah. to do because we love it so much. Thank you. Thanks. We're thanks. also thanks. journeymen in a different way. We are. We all are. At this point, we all are. I, I liked how you hmm. how you told that story because I said, wow, that's that song applies. I see it differently. Uh, I see yeah. it differently now. We're all we're all journeymen. We're just getting to the next day and the next gig and figuring it out as we go along. And what's wrong with that? That's beautiful. Nothing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Steve, take yeah. care. Thanks again you too. for everything. Right. And yeah. have fun. Thank you both. Sure. We'll Thanks. See you somewhere. Thank you.
Thanks a lot. All see right. you. See you. See you. See you in September. Yes. Um, okay. All right. All right. Bye. All right Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Soraya, how much yeah. do you love Steve Wynn? We love Steve Wynn. Yes, we do. Yeah. So, big reason why the, the Paisley Underground it, it's still a vital conversation. Look, I think, especially now, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this documentary that we saw this. This story, um, you know, this band, as a, the documentary shows, it's really evolved, changed, and it's gone through its, you know, it's gone through a lot of changes. Um, and for anyone wondering, yes, we hear from Kendra, not face-to-face, -face, but via phone call. So her voice is heard in this film. If anyone thinks, oh, we won't hear from Kendra. No, we do. The one voice, and we hear from Paul B. Cutler. Um, the one voice that we don't hear is Carl Prakota. But that being said, as the documentary starts to paint this picture, this band that evolves over time, it's it's something to really reflect on about how important they are. Just the music they put out, one. Two, um, the scene that they're a part of early on, early on. I mean, because let's face it, this this is a podcast about the Paisley Underground, and this is one of the seminal bands. But adding on to that, the volume of work and the experiments in musicality and arrangement and I mean you name it it's really been something fun to watch and to continue to watch mm -hmm. absolutely and it's just one of those things where you go I don't know what else they can do and then they put out something and you go well that shut my mouth <laughs> yeah. you know and so and you hear you hear and sense this electricity right that not only from Steve Wynn, but you hear it from Dennis Duck. You hear it from Jason Victor, from Mark Walton. I mean, they still have something to say and something to do. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's just a lot of, it's, this is a fun time to be a fan. Oh. And uh, it's, I think you said it, you, you said something to that effect. It, you know, it's not just, hits but things that really come at you and you go hmm I think I want to hear that again did I really hear that and you know there are things that that just are so different that you can't stop listening to it so I don't know I've been thinking about it a lot since the documentary and I'm just I'm glad we got a little chance to talk with him about it and about what's coming up because there's no stopping. Mm. I mean, tour, uh, baseball project album, uh, solo album at some point in the future, this CD box set and um, documentary, I mean, yeah, there's no stopping. Yeah, and I don't really wanna jump over the discussion about this, but um, he did mention the possible medicine show release. I, you know, I love that album, so I would yes. hope I would get the same kind of treatment. Um, legal issues pending, but um, that would be great. But for those who have not been able to pick this up yet, you will be able to in June. I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. Sorry, you yeah. mentioned that. It's, I don't know if yours is going to come with signatures. I only have two signatures. I don't have three. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mark Walton signed mine and he had nothing to do with the record or any song on here or this project, but he grabbed it from me and signed it anyways. But um beautiful pictures, interviews, stuff about the songs. I mean, it's just a it's a great presentation. Um, but I highly recommend it. You mentioned um Kendra's phone interview on the documentary. She like she also did a phone interview, um, which is include written and included um pets um talked to a lot of people that were involved in the project and um 
nice little liner notes in here talking about each each of the songs that are included on um, the two live sets and um, the second disc is fantastic as well um, with some of the early stuff and a lot of the rehearsals I really like that disc as well yeah. and of course the first disc includes Days of Wine and Roses as well as the um, their debut EP so it's a good set to have by all means and um, I liked how you put Steve on the spot and asked him why do people need this that was a great question because it's it's an it's an obvious question that fans will ask themselves. So I'm glad. Well, I hope it didn't come across as being mean no. or disingenuous. But I think I think when anyone says, "Oh, it's a 40th anniversary album," I I have the original. I think it's a fair question. But also, yes. when you look at what's in what's accompanying it, yep. you just go, "Well, hell yeah." Yeah. And then when you hear, oh, not only that, but the engineering brought out some of the gem of the sound, especially of these live shows. Yep. And I mean, hats off to Dennis Duck, because one of the things in the documentary that comes out, and Steve reiterated it, that he likes to document things. And he documented the first practice that he ever <laughs> that he ever came in. And boom. Here we go. Okay. And I think these are things that if you enjoy the band, why not listen to it as gloriously as you can? Yeah. And I, but I, but you know, he's Steve Wynn is one of you, Jeff. You know, he said, I have multiple pressings of different albums. And it's, yeah. I mean, you're a completist. He's a completist. We know so many people who are like that. And it's because, Every time you come across those, there's something a little different. There's something new. There's something you want. Yeah, you want this. Yeah. You want yeah. this. I mean, I'm glad that we picked it up. And I'll just add a little anecdote. So when I come back and I came back, my brother goes, you didn't pick one up for me? I just remember going to the merch table and just going, gimme, gimme, gimme. And because there were so many people. And so, yeah. Uh, needless to say, I'm getting Haas on the set, but, but you know, it was one of those things where I was just, I was overwhelmed, and I'm like, this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then there were tons of people behind me, and we were in this little nook, yeah, in Glasgow. I mean, so it was just one of those things where I didn't think about it in the moment until after, and then I said, okay, we're we're gonna rectify it, yeah, but you know. My brother's one of you as well, Jeff. He's a completist. He's a guy that likes to listen to different pressings and things like that. So I know he's going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some fun kind of behind the scenes banter if you listen to Oh yeah, some of the songs. There's a, the one song where Kendra makes a note where she says, I don't know what to play on this song and it doesn't go anywhere or something, something <laughs> along those lines. So it definitely... Um, um, opens up a view into the band that you won't see or hear otherwise so oh yeah yeah oh, it's yeah. a fantastic set um and like steve said i'm glad he he worded it the way that he did and said that it's not necessarily a days of wine and roses reissue it's a, it's a history of the band 82 83 and i think that is very accurate and well stated because that's what i get when i read what pat has included in here and when I hear these songs, um, some of the rehearsals, some of the live recordings, it's definitely more of a documentary of that period of the band's history, not just a reissue. So good question, Soraya. And I like Steve's answer. On that. Ah, it was great. Yeah. Um, and then can I just add a completely different total sign note for okay. our friends that are in the UK? Yes. So when we went to go see the documentary here in Los Angeles on May the 6th, sitting in front of Jeff was the amazing Barbara Manning, uh, who we've been very thankful to have on the podcast. A couple uh, times. Talking about 28th Day. And uh, Barbara Manning is going to be doing a couple of shows in the UK this summer. Yes. So um, it has been um, posted on Facebook. Um, Pat Thomas has shared that as well. But for our friends in the UK, 
what an opportunity to go see an amazing musician and a really amazing person, Barbara Manning. Please go and see her because I won't be there, but the rest of you can. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And I talked to Barbara a little bit that night. It was supposed to be a 28th day tour, but unfortunately that didn't work out. So um would be Barbara doing her solo stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, please. We'd love to hear people report out. Are oh my gosh. Five? And we want to hear about yeah. these shows because yeah. she's, I mean, you guys already know she's fantastic and a really great musician and we love her. We've got yeah. nothing but love for Barbara Manning. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And I I believe Clive Jones has also uh, shared information about those shows. So um, if you're looking for it, we'll we'll share the information on our page as well. But go support Barbara Manning. Um, It'll be worth your time. Agreed. Yeah, that was was the very indirect link. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Little action. I love it. Ah, Jeff, every time we talk with Steve Wynn, I get... Happy to know that more music is on the way. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, and he sounded a little funny about hearing the term "the hardest working man" from the Paisley Underground or the hardest working artist from. The... It's accurate though, <laughs> so I mean, there's that. But um, he he's doing what he loves to do, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm also glad that the band, uh, Mark Walton, Dennis Doug, Jason Victor, as well as Steve Wynn, are taking some time to do things, you know, the different things. Um, and, but I know, you know, those guys, they do their own projects or different things and then they're ready to come back together and uh, give us something really, really good. Yeah. And that, that adds to the freshness, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think. That's why I said what I said about the end of the movie. The end of the movie is no ending by yeah. any by any means, but but really just we're happy to play together and we still have something we want to share. So we'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been funny if they added to be continued at the end because the story. <laughs> <laughs> agree. Yeah, agree. But anyways. Jeff, I hate ending it, but I think we just have to. Mi gente, agruyar. Groove on, Paisley people. Still, there we go. Start my video. <laughs> uh, there we go. Great. I'll take. I'll be. I'll, I'll, I'll be vain and take the glasses off. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Perfect. Hey. Our first. Our first video chat. It is our first video yeah. chat. Yeah. 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 What a wild card here. I said, Vicky, you know, this is part of the thing about being in the dream syndicate. Oh dear. There will be. <laughs> jamming involved. Oh. Run a band that follows things like time, you know. Is it Friday? I don't know. It's probably like, you know, it's five years from now right now. So we're going to stretch this one out a little bit, you know, and um, see what happens. We're going to jam. Yeah.
Oh, my God. 